You're tuning into Edinburgh Chi Alpha's TNL, a place for community and growing deeper in your faith. Join us each week as two people sit down to discuss difficult questions found in Scripture. This is Q&A with Jesus. Uh, Jesus, we love you, and we are so thankful just uh, for this opportunity, this space that we have together each week, um, just to gather and just to learn more about you, God. And as we learn more about you, like that, we let that just continue to fuel um, just our love for you and um, our devotion to you. And so, God, I thank you that each week you're just present here with us, and um, thank you just for bringing us together as a Chi Alpha community, as a family, and uh, we're just excited to see what you're going to continue to do in our hearts and on our campus. Um, Jesus, we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Hi, Alpha. We're so glad that you're here, um, and we can't wait to share the word with you guys tonight. Um, so we're excited to continue with the Q&A with Jesus series that we've been doing all semester. So a couple weeks ago, TJ shared with us about salvation um, and just what it means to be born again. And then last week, we had our in-person service and Cody and Jared shared with us about the question, who do you say I am? And we know that Jesus is the Christ, the son of the living God. Well, tonight it's time for commitment. It's time to redefine the relationship. Yeah, it's time for commitment. And so that's what we're gonna be talking about tonight. Uh, we wanna know like who's in, like who's, who's committed. This idea of like purposeful, intentional, dedication, this commitment is super important. And I think a lot of people value commitment. I think we can all get together on that. A lot of people want it, but I think more often than not, maybe we don't know um, how to go about it. Um, we want commitment, but in our culture, there's this like air of skepticism and uncertainty for a lot of reasons. I'm not saying they're bad reasons, um, but people kind of either subconsciously or consciously tend to avoid commitment. Um, and I think we see that a lot. Like if you invite somebody to do something, they'll, oh, they'll let you know later, or they'll let you know when it gets closer, or like a stereotypical response is just like, oh, I'll see if I can make it, which is directly translated to, I'll see that day if I feel like leaving the house or not. Like there's just, there's no commitment when you invite people over. Um, and then some, there's some people who like seem really committed um, they're really involved. Um, a majority of the time, people would rather be um, on the outskirts of a lot of a lot of different things um, than give up one or two responsibilities to be really committed in one area. Um, I think they don't want to make time commitments because it takes away thing it takes away from things that they like might want to do. Like FOMO is real, and FOMO inhibits commitment. So it's like. Well, I might want to watch this Netflix series. I might want to go hang out with these other friends. I don't know, but that inhibits commitment. But we need commitment. We do. Um, in the world we live in, like things are changing all the time and commitment produces security. So if you've ever experienced anxiety in your life or like maybe more so in this past year you have, um, we need commitment. Like it's going to give security. Um, if you ever felt empty or purposelessness, so much of the things that have seemed to give us our identity this past year have completely been torn away or even at the very least drastically changed from the ground up. Um, if you've ever felt like um, 
people have given up on a friendship when you thought maybe they shouldn't have, um, or, I mean, we all view relationships differently, but maybe you wanted that person to commit and they didn't, and you didn't understand why, whether it was a friendship or a romantic relationship, or if you are really committed to like being a vegetarian and somebody, you know, eats meat, or if you want to help at the homeless shelter every week and somebody was going to be like, yeah, I'll be there with you. I'll support you in that. And they like never showed up after week two. Um, if you want to live a healthier lifestyle and your BFF is like every night, hey, do you want to go to Dairy Supreme? Like you want commitment in certain areas, maybe. And it's frustrating when people don't match it, when you have commitment and people don't match it. And we've all done it. Like it's not to say it's only other people like we've all done it, um, but we all need commitment. We all crave commitment. And when we know what to expect from people because of the commitment, we can trust them better. Like commitment produces trust. These commitments add stability to our life. And so we need tonight to lay the groundwork and define the relationship to figure out where our commitment with the Lord is going to lie. And so when I think of defining the relationship, I think of dating, right? And when you first start talking to someone, um, you don't really know them that well, people can like basically say whatever they want about like where they're lying or like where they stand in the relationship. And so Peter in the Bible, he said he knew who God was. And we talked about this last week. He was like, Jesus, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. He had known Jesus for three years. Um, and in Matthew 26, 32 through 35, Jesus is talking to his disciples. So Peter's there. And Jesus is predicting his own death and resurrection. And he's saying, listen, when they come for me, y'all are going to scatter. You're not going to stick with me. You're going to run and hide. And Peter's like, so he says, even if I fall away or if, sorry, even if all fall away on account of you, I never will. Like he's making this huge claim. And Jesus says, listen, I'm telling you this very night, tonight, before the rooster crows, you're going to disown me three times, not just once, not twice. You're going to disown me three times. And Peter's like, heck no. Even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. So he's making these big claims and he was probably genuine. Like, but when push comes to shove, it was a different story. In Luke 22, 54 through 62, this is a different account of the same night. Um, and I'm just going to summarize it. That night, Jesus is arrested. And as the Roman soldiers take Jesus, just as he predicted, all of his friends dip. And I think in the back of Peter's mind, he probably remembered this big claim that he's like, even if they all run, I won't. So he's like following close behind Jesus because he doesn't want to like completely run and he wants to know what's going on. And that part's biblical, but like in my mind, I picture this like big guy hiding behind the little trees, like acting all aloof when people look at him. He's like falling behind, but he doesn't want to be noticed. And so when people come up to him and they're like, you have the same like accent as that Jesus guy who just got arrested. Like, did you know him? He's like, heck no, never met him before in my life. And three times people come up to him, including once this like 13, 14, 15 year old girl, servant girl. She's like, did you know Jesus? And he can't even stand up to this servant girl. He completely denies Jesus. Um, and then when the rooster crows, just as Jesus said, he turns 
makes eye contact with Jesus, remembers what he said, and weeps like ugly cry weeps because this is where all his good intentions and displays of grandeur have gotten him. He still denied Jesus. And so when Jesus died, he came back to life. Like that's the Easter story. He talked to Peter and they needed to redefine the relationship. He was like, Jesus needed to know where Peter's commitment was, but more importantly, I think Jesus knew that Peter needed to know where Peter's commitment was. Um, so one morning after breakfast, Jesus pulls Peter aside and he's like, he uses Peter's full name because it's like real important. He's like Simon, son of Jonah. And he, he addresses this, that this way to start this conversation. Yeah, so this is from John 21, verse 15. So it says that when they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. So in this conversation, they use two different words to describe their level of commitment and affection for each other. They use the two types of love, agape and phileo. And I know um, it was posted on the Instagram and Discord, but I'm just gonna give a little explanation of the difference between these two loves and then reread that scripture again with this new understanding of their commitment levels. So a phileo love is a love for friendship. This type of love is built off of common interest. This type of love is freely chosen. And to me, I think of this love as like a love of comfort. Like I said before, it's built off of common interest. It comes from what we know and it's easy for us to love. So if you guys wanna drop in the chat just some things that you phileo love, thinking about it earlier. And I was like, you know, I think I phileo love my bed. You know, it's really comfortable. You know, I love taking naps. It's a good time. But agape love is an intelligent choice. It's not just a pleasant passing feeling. It's an ultimate choice. It's a wholehearted commitment involving loyalty and faithfulness and trustworthiness. Ultimately loyal to God, it prizes and prefers him above all other objects or devotion um, because he alone deserves this honor. And it's the foundation of all true Christianity. So I'm going to read it again. And it says that when they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you agape love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I phileo love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you agape love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I phileo love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you phileo love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you phileo love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I phileo love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. So as we can see, Jesus is at first asking Peter, do you agape love me? But Peter responds, yes, Lord, you know that I phileo love you. But the third time Jesus asked him, he asked, do you phileo love me? Before this conversation between Jesus and Peter, we read and Bria talked about the gospels of Peter denying Jesus three times in the courtyard right before the rooster crowed. In tonight's scripture, we notice that Jesus asked Peter three times, do you love me? And, you know, I really don't think that Jesus does this by accident. He used Peter's initial denial to then give him this opportunity to recommit himself to Jesus. Because agape love restores. And as humans, we live an imperfect life. We fall short sometimes. 
but we serve a perfect God who gives us the chance to recommit and restore ourselves. And this is what we see here with Simon Peter, who was able to say to Jesus three times, yes, Lord, you know, I love you. And by the way, this conversation with Jesus and Peter, it happened in the morning when the roosters were crowing, like, come on, that's pretty cool. But whenever Peter, wherever Peter was, Jesus had agape love for him. Jesus' love for Peter was an intelligent choice. It was not just a pleasant passing feeling. It was an ultimate choice, a wholehearted commitment involving loyalty, faithfulness, and trustworthiness. Peter seemed to be offended that Jesus felt the need to ask him this question, but Jesus did this to remove the guilt and shame and the hurt and the fear that held Peter captive because agape love restores. Agape love restores. And the next thing that I want us to remember tonight is that agape love sends. After Jesus had restored Peter, he didn't leave it at that. Um, our faith is not, or our relationship with Jesus is only half just about us. Like if it were all the way about us, when our faith was like being proclaimed and like we were going through baptism, like people say like, if it were just about us, they could hold us under the water and would be good. But we have more of a purpose than that. Like um, our faith is not just about us. Like agape love in our faith sends. Um, and Jesus' response to Peter each time was for him to take care of others. This wasn't just a, oh, I feel good, like, just be happy type of, type of love. Like, this is a driving force. Agape love is never sedentary. And this love is defined by the character of God. And so, like, I picture um, the character of God, like the Holy Spirit, as he's moving over the emptiness before creation in Genesis. This love moves, and we need to move with it. And Jesus called Peter to this agape love. This was the same love that compelled Jesus to leave heaven and come die for us. And like, we don't know, maybe he could have just waved his hand and provided for our salvation some other way. Um, but he chose to move. And he chose that in agape love, the same love that he's asking Peter to choose. And the proper response to agape love is to be externally focused. We see it in the character of God since before the beginning of time. Jesus exemplified it with his life. And this external external focus is what he's calling Peter to now. And he doesn't say, Peter, go get a Bible and theology degree and become a pastor. He, It hurts me to say this, but he also doesn't say, do the Chi Alpha internship so that you can feed my sheep. He doesn't say, read the whole Bible and then come talk to me. The Bible didn't even exist at this point. He says, Jesus is saying the real me right here in front of you, the one you expected to fix the world just the way you wanted, but the one who instead chose to die for you. Real me who doesn't do things the way you want, but the way that you need. The Christ, the son of the living God who gives you new life, fall in love with me. Peter's actions showed that Peter hadn't really ever wanted a crucified Lord, but Jesus was crucified. And so how did Peter's devotion stand in the light of this? Was he ready to love Jesus just as Jesus was and not as Peter wanted him to be? And are you? Like, are we ready to love Jesus as he is and not just as we want him to be? And so he, as he tells Peter to care for others, he needs Peter to know that there's no prerequisites after we experience love before we can care for others. 
if we really experience the agape love of God, if we put our hearts in the right posture to love him back, this love cannot be contained. When we encounter the overflowing, relentless, patient, all-encompassing, unfair, big, doesn't make sense love of God, what else matters? If we love God, we will naturally lead others into the same love for God. And if all we have is a generic, fun affection for, or even an apathy towards God, we will naturally lead others into the same. And that's why the primary qualification for service is love. And so maybe you're saying, well, Peter said he only phileo loved Jesus, didn't he? And he did, you're right. And Jesus meets him where he's at and he's ready to meet us wherever we're at. And he still calls us higher. The standard of God and the commission that he gives us does not change no matter where we're at. And that's why Jesus is calling us to pursue agape love. That's what we need. We would do well to pursue it. And so Jesus' commission is in terms of actions and not titles. We don't need to be any particular person. We don't need to fake who we are. We just need to love. And once Peter was reconciled to Jesus, he didn't automatically become a pastor, automatically become a missionary. Jesus didn't say, okay, Peter, now you're the head of all the apostles and disciples. Fulfill that position. Um, we could argue the implications of this conversation all we want, but in reality, Jesus just gave him a command. He said, feed my sheep. If you love me, feed my sheep. And so we don't need a specific position. When we encounter agape love, when we share agape love with the God who defines it, we are sent because agape love sends. It's hmm. good. You know, I can't imagine what was going through Peter's mind during this conversation. You know, like it starts and Jesus is like, Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And I'm like, oh, he just used his full name. Like, this is serious. But throughout the Gospels, like, we see Peter as, like, an extremist. You know, he's like Peter the talker. And we see Peter proclaiming God's supremacy. I mean, like, he literally cut off one of Jesus' attacker's ears. And he tried to convince Jesus not to go through with what he came down to earth to do. But in this conversation, Peter isn't doing anything extreme. Jesus is standing in front of him asking, do you love me? And I imagine that, like, Peter felt pretty embarrassed during this conversation with Jesus. Um, and I think Peter's kind of learning humility during this conversation, too, because what's different about this conversation and everything else that Peter's involved in is Jesus is asking Peter to be his extreme self, but use it to exhibit agape love. Jesus isn't looking at Peter and seeing, like, his faults, but he's looking at Peter's passion, and he wants to instill in him the way to utilize it to further the kingdom of God and to love with agape love. And then in verses 18 through 19, it goes on to say that very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. So these verses predict um, martyrdom, which is the death of someone for refusing to renounce a religious belief. 
Um, in 1 Corinthians 13, when speaking of love, it says that if I give everything I own to the poor and even go to the stake to be burned as a martyr, but I don't love, I've gotten nowhere. So no matter what I say, what I believe, and what I do, I'm bankrupt without love. So for Peter to be able to make it through this martyrdom, he would need the absolute abandon and sacrifice devotion of just to make it through. This is because agape love sustains. Agape love is perfect and complete. Agape love is part of the nature of God. God cannot love us any other way. When Jesus says to Peter, follow me, he's really saying, keep on following me. There's nothing God wants more than relationship with us. He agape loves us and he wants us to agape love him. And if we love and serve God with agape love, we will want to keep on following him because agape love is what sustains us. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Agape love restores, agape love sends, and agape love sustains. And so for you guys tonight, for all of us, I want to ask a few questions. One, where have you failed? And this is, you can answer this one in your head, but like, it's not rhetorical. Like, where have you failed? I know for me, like, I can think of a lot. <laughs> but a God's agape love is ready to restore. And what is your purpose? Like, what's your purpose here? Because in relationship with God, we are meant to be externally focused. That is our purpose. And then last but not least, I think, um, like the last question, like where are you tired and where are you ready to give up? And I know this is not an individual thing. Like, I think it would be good tonight. Like if we can come together and like bring to light the places where like we're tired and we're ready to give up. So if you want to like share that with each of us tonight, like you can put that in the chat. This doesn't have to be rhetorical. These places in our life don't have to be private. Um, we can bring these to each other. We can bring these to the Lord um, where we're tired and ready to give up. And we can submit them to the Lord because his agape love is ready to sustain us through those places. And those things are truth. Like agape love restores, agape love sends, agape love sustains. Those things are truth. The real question that we have to answer tonight in our own hearts is, do we love God? Do we agape love Jesus? Do we agape love our creator and our Lord and our savior? And we can be honest with him. Like Peter was, Peter was like, Lord, I'm at phileo right now. Um, and that's okay. Any love, just like the size of our faith is less important than the object of our faith. The size of our love is less important than the object of our love. And so if you find yourself with just a little love for Jesus tonight, that's just, that's where you are. We can be honest about that, but our love's not going to grow if we just focus in on ourselves and, and how much we love and, and keep loving, keep wondering if, if our love is enough. Our love grows as we focus on the object of our love. As we keep our eyes on Jesus, the, the perfecter and finisher of our faith, our love is naturally going to grow into this agape love that Jesus wants to share with us. And so tonight, it's time to define the relationship because we can experience God all we want without ever encountering him. And that's not what it's meant to be. 
Displays of grandeur and big claims don't carry a relationship. And so where are you tonight? This has nothing to do, absolutely nothing to do with how long you've walked with God. But if we take an honest self-assessment, do you just have an affection for God? Or do you have the all-encompassing love that drives you to self-abandon in honor of the object of your love? And if you identify more with phileo love, maybe it would be a good idea to spend more time with him. Love grows through intentionality and pursuit. It's active and it takes action to grow it. But also know that you can choose to love God. It's not just a feeling. Actual love creates feeling. And so if you want to spend time with him, choose to love him by getting up early or scheduling time to be with him. But just get to know him. Like it'll be worth it. And then if you find yourself in agape love tonight, like that's great, but that's not the finish line. Jesus says, okay, I'm calling you to agape love. Feed my sheep. How can you care for other people? How can you pull others into that agape love? And then for all of us, when the trials come, rest in God's agape love. And so I want us to all kind of join in this together tonight. Like I want this to be a communal pursuit. It's not just a few of us. I want us all to pursue agape love tonight and kind of just declare it over ourselves. So if you want to type in the chat, like I'm going to pursue agape love, like I want agape love, like however you want to put it, but like, let's declare this as a community tonight. So defining our relationship with Jesus is so important. Um, If we have agape love for the Lord, we can experience restoration instead of judgment. We as the body of Christ can unite under a common cause. And if we individually agape love the Lord, imagine what a unified, truly agape love could accomplish within the church. This is something that we need to be persistent in. We want to love God with an agape love so that we can be restored, sent, and sustained. And we also want that within our relationships and within the church. But to accomplish that, we must first learn to individually love him with an agape love. So I'm going to pray this challenge over us tonight. And then we're going to close with a song that most of you probably know. But I really encourage you to listen to the lyrics of this song tonight. Um, The bridge says that, and I will build my life upon your love. It is a firm foundation. So let this be our prayer tonight, that we would build our life upon his agape love for us, because there's no better foundation than that. So we're going to pray, and then Johnny will play the song for us. So Lord God, we thank you for tonight. We thank you for the message that you brought Bree and I today. And we thank you for loving us with agape love and showing us your, your immense love through your word. Lord, we pray tonight that you will... Help us redefine our relationship with you, that agape love would restore us, it would send us, it would sustain us. Lord, we know that your agape love is the firmest foundation for our lives, so I just pray that we would leave tonight's service with a new understanding of your love for us, um, that we would be able to put in the work to truly commit to our relationship with you and truly commit to um, having this agape love for you. Um, So Lord, I just pray that you would bless this week Um, We love you. Amen.
Jesus' name above 
Marie and Taya, thanks for sharing with us tonight. Um, I love that song. And I really love the line that says like, and lead me in your love to those around me and how God, like that is um, like a command that he has given us to, to love those around us, to love those who are broken and who are hurting and um, who are facing um, hard things. And we kind of just wanted to close tonight. Um, just spending some time, Jonathan's going to close us in prayer about this, um, specific incident, but I don't know who has been keeping up with the news or the social media, which it's not hard to do these days because, um, it's everywhere, but we wanted just to spend some time praying over, um, the situation with like that happened to, um, Dante Wright and who, um, was shot and killed by a Minnesota cop um, during a like a traffic stop, and um, we know that's like something that should not have happened. And I know these things are difficult sometimes to talk about or to process, but like at Chi Alpha or just in the kingdom of Jesus, like we don't want to shy away from like hard conversations. And so like he left behind tons of family, a girlfriend, a son. And like, when I watch these things happen, like we see that people are hurting in our world. We see a whole community that's been hurting and like, they are our brothers and sisters in Christ. And so like when our brothers and sisters hurt, like we hurt too. And so like, that's why it's important for these things to like be talked about and um, for us not to shy away from them because maybe they make us uncomfortable or we don't know how to talk about them. And so like, um, it's such a hard and sad situation. And I think when I see things like this, I just know like we, we only have hope in Jesus. And, um, and so we just wanted to kind of like acknowledge that tonight and um, Jonathan's just going to kind of pray over uh, his family and this situation and these things that we have repeatedly seen um, here in our country um, that, that are not okay. And so Jonathan's just going to kind of pray Jesus into situations like this that seem really dark and hard and confusing, and that can bring up a lot of questions. And so I'm going to pass it over to Jonathan, and um, he'll kind of close us up for the night. Jesus, we are so thankful for your agape love. We are so thankful that your love is unconditional and it's it's more than ever we can ever think or ask for or imagine. And that it's this love that is so present with us amidst our brokenness. It's this love that is so present in the in the in the midst of this uh, situation where that shouldn't have happened. Uh, this this um. <laughs> this hurtful situation, Lord, has left so many asking questions of why and how. God, and, and, and Dante's family, Lord, who was, who was trying to process this. Um, Jesus, we just pray that in your love, you would be with them. That in your love, you would be with them. And Holy Spirit, that you would be their counselor. That uh, in, the, in, in the midst of of uh, not only his family's anger and confusion, but the confusion of a, of a community, of a, of a society that's trying to understand why does this keep happening over and over again? Lord, you know how to sit with us in our brokenness. You know how to sit with us in our confusion. And you know uh, 
how to just uh, be there, God. And I pray that you would just, um, that your presence would be overwhelming. Mm-hmm. That we would know that you are there, Lord. And we would be, that we would know and that we would be, hold on to the hope and hold on to the, the truth, Lord, that uh, this isn't the, the end, God, that you, through your love, you are looking to transform us and to transform this world day by day. And so we, we hold on to that hope as we grieve. We hold on to that hope as we uh, fight for a better tomorrow, as we look to be uh, your hands and feet in a world that, uh, that, that is just looking for the kind of love that, that you show us, that you want to show us on a day-to-day basis. So I just pray that uh, as, we, uh, as, as we as a society and as a church process this, God, that you would also help us, um, Lord, move forward in your love. Move forward uh, and, and learn to show that kind of love to our hurting brothers and sisters and to realize that because you loved us first, um, we can make a difference and that there is a hope uh, for tomorrow and even for today as we, as we continue to grieve in the process, Lord. So we, do, we thank you uh, for tonight, God, and we just pray. I pray that as we go our separate ways, Lord, that you would just, um, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would be so present in everyone's uh, homes and their dorm rooms, Lord, uh, that are on the Zoom call, God. And so we entrust the rest of this night to you, and we thank you for everything that you have done and that you're going to do. And it's your name, in your name we pray. Amen.